All right, guys, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get going. I'm, I'm, moving, I'm moving up here. How many of you guys uh, are... Uh, now, how does the grading system work in Australia? So it's like grade 12, is that the highest yeah. in high school? How many are grade 12, anybody? Nobody, right back there? How many years have you been grade 12? <laughs> okay, gotcha. Any grade 11? Okay, couple, How grade 10? Oh, there's, there's our group, the grade 10s, all right? Uh, nine, couple, and then our, we have young, younger in here as well, eight? Eight, and then seven. So in Australia, are youth groups seventh through twelfth grade? Mostly, okay, yeah. So in the states, we um, we we have most of our youth groups are seventh through twelfth grade, uh, but we've just kind of started now. Uh, some of the larger churches, like our church, we have uh, ninth through twelfth, uh, because then the younger ones we have six, seven, and eight. So we call that middle school. They have uh, they have like middle school in in Australia. So in the public school, it's it's elementary is like kindergarten through fifth grade, and then uh, middle school is sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and then high school is ninth through twelfth. And then I think you guys we call college. I think you call it uni. Is that right? And then your uni here is how many years typically? Just four. Just four. So depending on what you're studying, obviously. And then how how many Young people um, go to uni, percentage-wise. Fifty. Okay, gotcha. So I think probably a little bit more in the states, but probably not. They probably shouldn't all go. Uh, you know how that goes. So anyway, yeah. Wait, you don't have to point at people when I say that. <laughs> That's funny. So um, yeah. So I have four four children myself. Uh, they're all grown, so I have uh, an, a son who's 31, and he's married, has three children. I have another son who's a youth pastor. Uh, he has and, about 135 teenagers in his youth group, so he, does, he has a big youth group, uh, and he's in Kansas, so if you're familiar with the United States, Kansas is kind of right in the middle, and there's nothing there except for tornadoes, okay? So, uh, and then my son, Caleb, is also a youth pastor, and he is in Phoenix, Arizona, so, uh, it, which is kind of in the lower um, west, southwest side of the United States. I live right near Washington, D.C., and then I have a daughter who is married to uh, Zach, uh, down at uh, Faith Baptist in Sydney. So she is now not officially an Aussie, but she's becoming one. Uh, so she's going through the process right now of getting her citizenship. She, she got married last year. So that's my family. We used to have a dog. Used to have a dog. Uh, the dog got a little bit too annoying, so we gave the dog to somebody else. But I do like dogs. How many of, it, how many of you have a pet dog? All right, good. Does any, are, are cats a thing yes. in Australia? How many have a cat? <laughs> I want to tell you something theological right now, okay? Dogs go to heaven, cats do not. <laughs> I'm not saying that cats don't live after this life, they just don't go to heaven, okay? Just so you know. Um, yeah, so cats, dogs, um, anybody have a fish? Do you really? No, my dad has it, but it got like, 
You raised your hand way too quickly, okay? And we have fish, yeah, I do. <laughs> I eat fish, that's all I do, okay? That's funny. Um, well, good. Uh, how many of you from uh, Queensland, Queenslanders? Everybody, anybody here from New South Wales? Oh, we do have a group. They're all in the back row. Cast them into outer darkness. There they are, okay. Do we need to have like a little contest or something right now? Uh, I know the blood kind of gets boiling between you, two, you, you guys. So New South, South Wales is the blues, right? Am I right about that? And then what's, what's Queensland? The winner. The, the winner? <laughs> Let the fight begin. Yeah, I like that. What are they? The what? The Maroons. Gotcha. And, is, and that's, the big, that's the big rivalry, right? New South Wales and, and, and Queensland. Now, are any of the other states... Like, do they, are they, any of them, do they ever compete? Are they, are they good? Or are they all just kind of like lower level? Is it, do, do, has anyone ever won be, beside those two? There's not a rivalry. But have any of the other states ever won the championship? Nothing. Nothing. So basically, Australia is New South Wales, Queensland, and other people. Right? Okay. Got you. And then there's like Perth and who are they? You know? I like that. Okay, good. Well, how many of you have ever been to uh, USA? Anybody? Been here? A couple, couple of you guys? Okay, good. Are, any, are there any of you that are Americans? Okay, right back there. You're the only one? Man. Can you speak with an Aussie accent or an American accent? Do you? How long have you been here? Uh, we, see, we got here Saturday. Oh, uh, okay. That would be that would be not long. Okay. Yeah, we're here for a trip. Okay. Awesome. Where are you from? Uh, we're from Oregon. Okay, gotcha. Well, that's kind of like our Perth. Okay, just. Like that. <laughs> true, true story. Okay, yeah. It's about as far from me where he lives in the States is about as far from me as Perth is from you. Because it's all the way on the other side of the country. What's that? No, no, I'm not asking. <laughs> no, that's funny. Well, open your Bibles, guys, just real quickly to uh, the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah. If you would, Jeremiah. Uh, chapter number 18. I want to teach you a principle about the will of God for your life. I think if you were honest with yourself, you would say, you know, Pastor Skelly, I, I want to be in God's will in my life. I want to be in the middle of God's will. I think if I were to say that to you, you would say, yeah, I want to be in the middle of God's will for my life. And I think Jeremiah chapter 18 will help us to understand how can I be in the middle of God's will for my life? Uh, I'm grade 12. I'm grade 11. Uh, I'm grade 10. I'm going to be graduating in a couple of years. I want to know what to do with my life. Where do I go? What do I do? How do I know what God has for me? What, what, what is God's purpose for me, for my life? How is God forming me? How is God shaping my life? You know, my, my mom does this. My, my dad does that. Where, how do I know where to live? How do I know what job to get? How do I know what God has for my life? Those are big questions. Those are huge questions. So how can I know that? Well, I, I think, obviously, the Word of God is paramount. You've got to know the Bible. You've got to be in the Bible. Let God lead you. But how does God lead us? And I love Jeremiah chapter 18 because it's a little principle that will help you to understand how God leads people in their life. So look at it. Jeremiah chapter number 18. 
And uh, let me see here. I will find... Okay, good. Yeah, Jeremiah chapter 18. And if you... Yeah, good. Look on with somebody. If you don't have a Bible, that's, that's fine. You guys have a Bible back here? Where is your Bible? <laughs> what is your problem? Okay, and we have an bi- extra Bible we can share here because I want you guys to see this. Okay, perfect. Excellent. Can you guys look on together? Okay, perfect. Love it. All right, look at it. Jeremiah chapter 18. And look at verse number one. Uh, where the Bible says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Okay, so stop for a moment. I'm going to see if you're awake. Okay, so the word comes from whom? Talk to me. Okay, talk to me now. Who? Okay, good. That was not a hard question. Okay, so if you're like nervous about that question, it's going to be a really, really long session. Okay, so the the word came from whom? The The Lord. Okay, good. And the Lord came to whom? Okay, good. See how easy that was? We've had two questions on this quiz, and you're all at 100% so far, okay? Wonderful. So the Lord comes from, uh, the word comes from the Lord, comes to Jeremiah. So what does God tell Jeremiah? And I think a a better question, uh, just by way of application, would be, what does God say to you? Okay, what what is God saying to you? How, How does God use his word to speak to your life. Okay, so look at it, verse number one. So the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there, that means at the potter's house, I will cause thee to hear my words. So arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my word. Okay, does anybody see something kind of weird about that. As Americans, we do pronounce our R's, okay? So you would say weird, weird, okay? And when I say anything weird about, uh, about that verse, uh, arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Well, what's strange about that? Come on, somebody talk to me. One of you brave ones that's willing to perhaps be wrong, Okay. What, what, what's, what's, what's weird? What's weird about that? Okay? Tell me. How about this? Why would God say to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I want you to get up from where you are. I want you to go over to another place. And there I'm going to talk to you. Isn't God already talking to him? Right? Yes. Say what? You're, you're on it. Yeah. In other words, he's going to show him something to help him understand something, right? So what's God doing? God's saying, hey, Jeremiah, I want you to get up. So what was Jeremiah doing? Well, obviously, he, he was either sitting or lying down. Okay? So he was either sitting down or he was... <laughs> or he was... <laughs> Lying down. Oh, man. This is my favorite kind of preaching right here. <laughs> wow. Matter of fact, how many just vote? We don't do any preaching. We just take a nap. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, of course, the one guy without a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> okay, real good. Okay. So I, I don't know what Jeremiah was doing, but Jeremiah was uh, at his house reclining or sitting, and God said, Jeremiah, I want you to get up. And I want you to go to the potter's house. So somebody tell me, 
What, what was the potter's house back in Jeremiah's day? So Jeremiah lived 2,700 years ago. That's a long time. Okay, and no, I was not alive. Okay, um, 2,700 years ago, Jeremiah lived. Um, what was the potter's house? Can someone tell me? What was a potter's house? Okay, what was a potter? Oh, we do have ding, 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 ding. We have an answer. It might be a wrong one, but let's find out. What, what? Okay, molding clay. Excellent. A potter was one who molded clay. Now, today, pottery is an art, right? So if somebody works on pottery today, that's an art form. Like, matter of fact, when I was in seventh grade, grade seven, so that was back in, ready for this? Drum roll, please. Okay, this was in 1977. I was in grade six. So grade six at 1977, which makes me old. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mr. Oregon, for that, okay? Go back to Perth. Uh, but uh, yeah, 1977, I, I grew up in a little small town, and my mother uh, raised us by herself. So my dad had left our family, uh, and my parents were divorced. So my mother actually got remarried when I was 10 years old. And we moved to a different town. Now, when we moved to a different town in the state of Connecticut, which is all the way in the northeastern section of the United States, uh, not, not too far from New York City, Boston, maybe you've heard of those cities. Uh, and so when, I, when we moved to our new town, it was a big town. And I went to a big school. And I was really nervous because I grew up in a small town. I knew everybody. And now I went to a big school, and I was kind of nervous. I went to a middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. I was a 6th grader, and there were like 800 kids in my middle school. So it was a really big school. But one thing I liked about this school was they had a huge art program. And I had never, I, I had never been in art class. In a small school, art was, at the end of the day, take out a piece of paper, draw something. And then I could draw a stick figure. That's all I could do. So that was me. I was the artist. But now we, we had art class. And I'll never forget that. Uh, and and it, was, it was really strange because they had the very first class I had as art class was a sewing class. Sewing is not art. Okay, sewing is what your great, 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 great grandma does, okay? But, uh, but I, I, it was sewing class, and I hated that class because I'm a sixth grader. We're making little stuffed animals, you know, and like, this is not art class. But then I found out that you can take thread in a needle, and, and you, can you can weave it into like a little dart, and then you can take a pen, and you could take all the insides out of the pen and use the, the case of the pen and put the dart in the pen. And you can go, <laughs> and you can hit people with it. <laughs> they named a whole rule after me at that school, okay? <laughs> so I had a good time. In, uh, so after six weeks, we left sewing class and we went to cooking class. Again, cooking is not an art. Now, I know some of you are thinking, no, cooking is an art. Okay, well, good. Then you cook and I'll eat. Okay, but uh, to me, it was not an art. And I, I had three friends and you had to get in groups of four. So four of us. Now, this was really stupid of me because I, I should have chosen friends that actually knew how to cook, right? But I chose three friends who were about as ignorant as I was about cooking. And we're supposed to do two projects in cooking class. Project number one, we're supposed to make 
chocolate chip cookies. Now, how hard can that possibly be to make chocolate chip cookies? But we were really, really bad and it took us a really, really long time to make our batter and we were out of time. So we thought instead of making like a million little cookies, we would make one big cookie, right? I'd always wanted to do that. So we took all the batter, we put it on a cookie sheet, and we're like mashing it down like this. We're like sitting on it, you know, we made this big. And so we took this big cookie, we put it in the oven, and we're thinking, this is going to be great. This is going to be the most massive cookie ever made in the history of the world. So we put it in the oven. It said like 22 minutes or whatever the time was. So we set the timer, and we're like, we're giving each other high fives. You know, we're making the biggest cookie in the world. We're going to get an A on this project. This is going to be amazing. So after about 22 minutes, we took the cookie out and it looked amazing. Like this looked, it was the most amazing cookie in the world until we actually tried to eat the cookie. Because what we realized was when the cookie is like that thick, it takes nine years to cook, okay? <laughs> Not 22 minutes. So what, we took a spoon, we broke the little like shell and on the inside it was like soupy. It was like things were like evolving out of it. It was so so we started eating it and we we told the teacher, oh, we meant to do this. You know, this is cookie soup. She didn't believe us. She gave us an F on the project. So, which is, I don't know, do they do that in Australia? A, B, C, D, F? Okay, well, we got the F. So, but we had one chance to redeem ourselves. And that was the next project was blueberry muffins. So, hey, how hard is it to make blueberry muffins? Very easy. So we made blueberry muffins, but we forgot one thing. No, not the blueberries. We're not that stupid, okay? We forgot to strain the blueberries. So when we put the blueberries into the, into the batter, we also poured the juice of the blueberry into the batter, which made the blueberry muffins weigh about 10 pounds each, okay? They were like hand grenades. What do sixth grade boys do with hand grenades? They throw them. <laughs> So we're like throwing these blueberries at each other while one hits the wall, splatters. Now that's art, you know? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> what did the teacher do? She gave us an F. So I'm not doing good in art class. I go from sewing, I go to cooking. We went to metalworking class, which I thought was gonna be great. You know, we're gonna make metal things. You know, we're guys, we're gonna make metal things. But then like the teacher came out and he was the meanest guy on earth, Mr. Zuissa. He was directly related to Adolf Hitler. I'm convinced of that, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you. It was just, this guy was bad. So I, I didn't like that class. Then we went to woodworking class. I did like that class. I made a jewelry box for my mommy. I only charged her like $15 for it. It was great. So. And then we went to general art class. Now, when I went to general art class, there was a guy by the name of Mr. Barry. Now, he looked like he was like 109 years old, but I was in sixth grade, so he's probably like 30. Um, and he came out one day, and a group of us students, maybe, maybe about this size, about, maybe about this size, uh, were there, and he, he had in his hand a lump of clay. I'll never forget this. He sat down on this little stool. Maybe it was about this high. And in front of him was a pottery wheel. I'd never seen a pottery wheel before. Right in front of him. It's just a round wheel like this. I'd never seen one. He took that lump of clay and he did this. He kind of balled it up into a big ball 
And he took that lump of clay and he threw it, smacked out in the middle of that wheel. Down here, there was a little pedal. And he began to pump that pedal like you would pump a gas pedal. And when he pumped that pedal, the wheel started going round and round. And then there was a little bowl over here of water. And he would dip his hand in that water to make the, the clay moldable. And as that clay would spin, he would begin to form that clay. He would take his, his thumb and his finger and just push down into that clay. He had these little tools, they called them graving tools. And he could shape that piece of clay, make it into a vase. He could make it into a, a, a mug or a bowl. I mean, it was amazing. And all of his kids were like, oh, that's amazing. You know, we're looking at this thing. It was incredible. It was the first time in my life I had ever seen pottery. Now, pottery really has not changed in 2,700 years. They have electric wheels right now, all that. But really, pottery has not changed in 2,700 years. So what God told Jeremiah to see is what you and I just saw in our mind's eye when I described that. Jeremiah saw that. He saw a potter making something. Now remember, back in Bible days, pottery was not an art. Pottery was a necessity. They didn't have Kmart. You can go, go down to Woolies and buy something. No, they had to, they, if you wanted a bowl, if you wanted a mug, if you wanted a cup, if you wanted a container, you would go down to the potter's house. Every town had a potter's house. So God says, Jeremiah, I want you to get up. I want you to go over there. And when you get over there, I'm going to tell you something. Because watch this, sometimes God has to show you something in your life before he tells you something in your life. Does that make sense? Sometimes God has to show you something before he tells you something. Now, God wants you to know his will. And God wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. But he has to show you things sometimes before he tells you things. So watch what God shows him and then listen to what God tells him. And then we're going to be done. Okay, watch what God shows him, and then see what God tells him, and then we're going to be done. Look at verse number two. So, we talked about it. Get up, go. So, go to the potter's house. There I will cause thee to hear my words. Look at verse three. Then I went. That's always a good thing. God said to go. He didn't say, go, go. Lord, why should I have to go down to the potter's house? I mean, can I just stay here? You're already talking to me, you know. I mean, I don't want to, have to waste my time. No, he did what God told him to do. He obeyed the word of God. So the Bible says he went to the potter's house, and behold, he, the potter, wrought a work on the wheels. Okay, so what's Jeremiah doing? Jeremiah gets there. God says, when you get there, I'm going to talk to you. Well, guess what? Jeremiah gets there. Here's the potter. There's the potter's wheel, and God's not talking. Now, God told him, go there, and I'm going to tell you something. So he gets there, but God's not spoken yet. So what does Jeremiah do? He just waits, because God told him he's going to talk there. So Jeremiah figures, okay, God's timetable is different than my timetable, so I'm just going to wait until God says something. So while he's waiting, what's he doing? He's watching. While he's waiting, he's watching. And watch what he sees in verse number 4. And the vessel, that means the project that the potter's working on, 
and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So whatever the project was, was it a bowl? I don't know. Was it a cup? Was it a vase? I don't know. But whatever the project was that the man is working on, it gets messed up. Now, what, what messes it up? Well, maybe the clay is not the right consistency. Maybe it's too moist. Maybe it's too dry. Uh, maybe there's too much. We don't know what it is. Maybe it's too thin. The walls of that are too thin. But whatever happens, it gets messed up. So watch what happens. And the Bible says, so, verse number four, he made it again, another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Now, don't miss it. Last two verses I'll read. This is the message. Look at verse number five. Then. Do you see that, verse five? Then. After all that happened, then the word of the Lord came to me. Okay, so this is what God wanted to show him so that God could tell him, verse six. Here's the message. Verse number six. O house of Israel. So as you read your Bible, you can just put your name in. You're whatever you're in. What's your name? Josh. Josh. You can say, oh, Josh. Because the way that God dealt with the nation in the Old Testament is the way that God deals with us as individuals today. So, oh, Josh, or oh, whatever your name is. Uh, oh, house of Israel, watch this. Cannot I do with you as this potter? saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is, I'm the clay. Sometimes we sing that song, he is the potter, I am the clay. As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. You say, okay, Pastor Skelly, what in the world does any of that have to do with me? Pastor Skelly, I'm a ninth grade, grade nine level girl. What does that have to do with me? How does that apply to me? I live in the 21st century. I live in Australia. That's a world away. That's 2,700 years ago. What does this have to do with my life? Okay, everything. Because God's word is timeless. And so what does God want you to know right now about your life and serving him? How can you be in the middle of God's wheel? How can you be in the middle of God's will for your life. Okay, here are the four words. If you'll remember these words, you'll always remember what it means to be in the middle of God's will. Okay, they all start with the same letter, M. So it's really, really easy. Okay, so that's a head start for you. Okay, if you want to be, if you want to know that you're in the will of God, always remember these four words. Okay, number one, there must be a, ready? Middle. There must be a middle. Okay, so when the potter works on the clay, the very first thing he does, are you watching? The very first thing he does is he takes that clay. That's me. Okay, that's Josh. That's you. Okay, he takes that clay and he throws it down right in the what? Middle of the wheel. Someone tell me what would happen if the potter took that clay and threw it down at some other part of that wheel, what would happen? What would happen when that clay went on that wheel? What would happen? It would be wobbly. Okay? But more, more, even more dangerous than that, when the wheel would spin, what would eventually happen? 
Yeah. It would... Well, I, I preached this message one time to... In, in the southern United States, people speak really, really strangely, like even more strangely than Aussies. Okay, I'm just telling you that, okay? And they, 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 they talk like this. I mean, now they speak like southerners, you know? And the one kid said... Well, Pastor Skelly, that thing would just flang off. I don't even know if flang is a word. That just flang, that thing would just flang right off. I, I never heard the word flang before, you know. It flang right off that wheel is what it do. Flang away. I don't know if his word was right, but that, that's exactly what would happen. It would flang off. When you're not in the middle, then the forces that should work for you work against you. You know that there are two forces at work in a moving object? There's what's called centrifugal force, and that's force that works away from the middle. That's why if you ever ride a ride on the, uh, like the merry-go-round or you go to an amusement park, don't sit on the outside seat, okay? Because whoever's sitting next to you is going to be like smashed up against you. It's like, why? Because of the centrifugal force. I remember when I was a kid, uh, maybe about seventh grade, I went to an amusement park, and it was a huge amusement park, and we went on this ride called the Rotor, the Rotor. I'd never heard of this ride. Matter of fact, I'm walking with my friends, and they said, let's go on that ride, and all it was was a big, like, silo, a big cylindrical building. I'm like, that's not a ride. They said, no, it's a ride. I said, okay, let's go. So we began to walk up these steps around this silo, so we're walking up, we're walking up this silo, up, 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 up. We get to the top of the silo. We walk into this room. It's a round room. There's nothing in there. There's no chairs. There's no, no, no seat belts. I'm like, this has got to be a lame ride. You know, a good ride, you know, like lock you in, put on a helmet, and say you might die. That's a good ride, okay? <laughs> so I'm like... Oh, we're in this room. And they said, stand against the wall. I said, am I getting arrested? I mean, what's going on, right? So, so we stood against the wall in this room. And uh, they said, okay, everyone's standing against the wall. And I'm looking over at all these kids in this room. We're against this wall. I'm like, what is this ride? There's a guy up there looking down. He said, everyone ready? Yup, we're ready for whatever. You know, so, well, they shut the door. We're in a round room. And all of a sudden, the entire room begins to move, spin around. So we're just kind of spinning around that. This is kind of cool. You know, we're going faster and faster and faster. And all of a sudden, like, I'm a skinny kid, but my cheeks are going... <laughs> the kid over here is not so skinny. His cheeks are going... <laughs> you know, and, I mean, and, and I'm feeling the pressure, the pressure, and we're going faster and faster and faster and faster. I'm like, oh, my eyebrows are going back. My, eyes, my eyeballs are going back. And like, <gasps> I mean, so, and then all of a sudden, the floor... Now I realize what, why we had to climb all the floor drops. Like it goes drops straight down. Like it's like three stories, but I don't drop because I'm like the mosquito on the windshield of the car, you know? <laughs> it's like we're like, like I'm going to die! Well, listen, this kid that was like four people over from me had one too many hot dogs. He ate just a little bit too much candy that day. Yeah, he had just a little too much fried dough and cotton candy. You say, how do you know? Because he showed us. <laughs> he went, Mwah. Well, listen, remember centrifugal force? Because as soon as he went, Mwah, it all went, Mwah. So now, listen, he is wearing his, 
what do you, do you call it, vomit? He's wearing his vomit like that. Well, listen, I had never seen somebody wear vomit before. Here's what happens when you wear vomit. It makes you, it makes you vomit more. But this kid had learned his lesson. He learned that when I vomit that way, it comes back that way. So the second time he vomited, he thought, okay, I'm going to turn my head. So he turned his head. He went, wah. Well, guess what happens now? Wah. <laughs> so now this kid, this kid, this kid, they're all wearing his vomit, which makes them do what? Vomit. But they learned the lesson too, so they go, wah, wah. <laughs> I was in a vomit pit. <laughs> and I, I never forgot the lesson of centrifugal force. You know why? Because when you spin, the motion works away from you. But there's also a force called centripetal force. That when you're spinning, there's a force that works to the inside. The only place that centripetal and centrifugal force is in harmony is if you're right in the middle. Have you ever been on one of those spinning rides as a kid, you know, just on the playground? If you'll stand in the very middle, you're fine. The farther you get away from the middle, the more you're prone to flang off. You know why a lot of kids flang off out of the youth group? They're 18, they go to uni, they never come back to church. They don't serve God. You can't even recognize them anymore is because they don't position themselves in the middle. Can I just say, as a young person, get right in the middle of God's will. Don't always be looking for the edges. Don't always be looking for the back. Don't always be looking for just the minimum you can do. No, be looking to say, God, I want to be right in the middle of it. I want to be right in the middle of it. And so, how do we stay in God's will? Get right in the middle. Okay, watch this, number two. Not only was there a middle, not only was it, but then number two, there was motion. There was motion. There was a middle, and then there was motion. There was motion. You say, well, why? Why was it important? Now watch this. Why was it important when the potter took that clay and threw it down in the middle of that wheel? Why was it important that that wheel, you put, put that pedal, why was it important for that wheel to be in motion? I mean, couldn't he just take his hands and make a nice bowl? I mean, couldn't he just take that graving tool? Why would you need to have motion to form that bowl? Uh, why not just do it? Yes, sir. To make it even on all sides. And you know why it's important for it to be even on all sides? Because motion gives the clay what's called tensile strength to make sure that the clay is evenly distributed around all of its edges. When I just try to pinch the clay and form it, I can make it look really good. I can make it look really authentic, but it doesn't have strength. You know where strength comes from? Strength comes from being in motion. So what's the key? Watch this, guys. What's the key in my teenage years? The key is get busy doing what you know God wants you to do. Now, you can't do everything yet. You don't have all the freedoms you're ever going to have yet. You don't have all the spiritual maturity that you're going to get yet. But I'm going to tell you something. Do what you know to do that's right today. 
See, I think sometimes we think that Christianity is all about, well, I don't do this, and I don't go there, and I don't smoke that, and I don't watch that, and I don't what. Listen, your Christianity is more than what you don't do. You know, God has saved you. God has not saved you not to do things. God has saved you to do things. God saved you to to work for him and to to represent him and to, to obey him. And you've been saved unto good works. And what I'm saying is get busy. Teenagers are not the church of tomorrow. They're not. Man, I love teenagers. Teenagers are not the church of tomorrow. Teenagers are the church of today. Man, be involved. You ought to be greeters in your church and ushers and choir members and servants. And man, you ought to be going to your pastor, your youth pastor, and say, man, I want to serve God right now where I am. I want to get in motion. Well, you want to be in the will of God? Make sure you're in the middle. You want to be in the will of God? Make sure you're in motion. Hey, you want to be in the will of God? Make sure there's a, don't miss this one. This is probably the most important one. I want to make sure, make sure there's a, ready for this one? Make sure there's a master. Make sure there's a master. I don't mean Pastor Skelly, by the way. I mean, make sure that God is the one working in your life. Make, sh- make sure that you know him. Because here's what happened, ready? Here I am, ready? Here I am, sixth grade boy. Wow, Mr. Barry is really good at making stuff. So Mr. Barry's like looking at all of his sixth graders and said, okay, you guys want to do this? We're like, yeah. So he gave all of us our own lump of clay. They had like seven or eight pottery wheels and we all got a chance. And I'm like, this is going to be cool. I'm going to make, like I see these, you know, these Chinese vases that they sell for millions of dollars. I'm like, I'm going to make a vase, sell it for like $2 billion and just retire in sixth grade. So I'm like, this is going to be great. So I take my lump of clay. I get my little wheel. You know, I'm, I'm in sixth grade. So I'm like four foot two. You know, all the girls are like this tall. I'm like this tall. But uh, my voice is higher than their voice. I'm in sixth grade, you know. So I'm, I'm pumping the wheel and I'm making. Here's what I found out. Here's what I found out. Here's what I found out. The master was way better at making stuff on the wheel than I was. Because I made this mug, and I'm like showing my friends, look at this. I said, you like it? They're like, what is it? It's a mug. Oh, I thought it was like an elephant. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, well, thanks. The master is way better at forming your life than you are. So sometimes we ask people, what do you want to be when you grow up? Can I just say this? It really doesn't matter. The better question is, what does God want for me? You know that God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. You know that God has a place for you. God has stuff for you. God has a plan for you. He does. And he wants to show that to you. So learn to know the master. If you're not saved, God can't form your life. God forms the lives of those that know him. Know that that you're saved. I think that most of you probably do. And if you are saved, say to God today, God, however you want to form my life, I want to be a vessel. If you want me to be a vase, I'll be a vase. You want me to be a mug, I'll be a mug. You want me to be a, a bowl, I'll be a bowl. You want me to be a cup, I'll be a cup. But Lord, however you want, God will shape you according to how he wants to use you. 
okay? You better spend time submitting to the master. Get in the middle. Get in motion. Get close to the master. Okay, here's one last one. You've listened well. All right, sit up straight. Everyone sit up straight. Be, be alive. Look alive. Don't fall asleep. This is my last point, okay? My last point. Number four. What else did that man do to make that clay what it needed to be? What else did he do? Anyone remember? There was a middle. There was a master. There was motion, okay? But what was the last thing that he did? Oh, man, who would you say? He molded it. I'm going to add that to my message. That is awesome. That's not my point, though. All right? <laughs> what was the last point? Here it is. Ready? Didn't, remember what I told you? Right here, right here, there was a bowl. And that, that bowl was water. And every five seconds or so, here he is. Ready? He's got the wheel going. He's got it in the middle. The master's working. He's making that. But about every five seconds, here's what he does. Ready? Puts his hand in that water. He's molding it. Puts that hand in that water. Puts that hand in that water. Why? Why? Why did he keep on putting his hand in the water? Yeah, moisture. And here's why. Because the tendency of clay is to harden. Okay, it's the same reason why you can go to youth camp and you're like, after a week of youth camp, you're like, man, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to go to the mission field. I'm going to win the world of Christ. You know, I'm going to be the next, you know, Apostle Paul. Man, it was great. I'm going to give up everything, you know, just to sell all my possessions. I'm even going to be good to my sister. Well, let's not go too far. But, you know, I'm going to, you know, right? And then, like, five days after camp, you're like, you know, I, you know, I kind of like the devil again, you know? I mean, what, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. You didn't put your hand in the bowl. The way to stay sensitive, the way to stay moldable, the way to allow God to work in your life is make sure you keep your hand in the bowl. You know what the water is? The water is this right here. The water of God's word. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you're not in the word of God, just stay right there. Just stand, just stand right in the back. If you're not in the water of God's word, if you're not here day by day, oh God, speak to me. Oh God, help me. Oh God, search me. Oh God, change me. Then you are just going to become a hardened teenager that spends your life, watch me, that spends your life sitting in church like, impress me. Spend your life sitting in church like, <sighs> spend your life sitting in Christian school like, <sighs> you know what you are? Hard. You're hard. What you need to ask God to do is, God, use your word. Oh, God, use your spirit. Moisten my heart. Help me get right in the middle. Oh, God, be my master. Lord, help me to obey what I know to do that's right. And God, use my life. I don't have to tell you this. I don't have to tell you this. 
your country's in bad shape. Ours is too. There is such a need in Australia, it's unbelievable. You know what we need? We need every single one of you to live for God. We need every one of you to say, God, use my life. Change me, mold me, use me, make me. One day, a hundred years from now, listen to me. One day, a hundred years from now, none of us will be here. Not one of us. Jeremiah lived 2,700 years ago. hundred years from now, none of us will be here. We'll all be there. And every single one of us will wish that we had lived this life in the middle of God's wheel, in the middle of God's will. I hope it's you. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for these teens. I thank you, God, for their love for you, their kind attention to this message. Lord, bless us today. I pray that you would use us. Lord, I pray that every single teenager in this room would make a decision right now in the quietness of this moment Oh God, I want to be in the very center of your will for my life. Bless them, use them, help them, shape them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.